0: Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In this 10th week of our series on the life of the Apostle Paul, Max Groene unpacks lessons about God's mission for us from the life-changing story of the Philippian jailer. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 and join us as we continue to imitate Paul as he imitated Jesus Christ. Our big idea for today is going to be that being made for God's mission influences the way that we live. So I'm going to read from Acts 16, verses 16 through 34, and then we're going to jump in. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews. And they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Then he brought them up into his house and set foot before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And when it was and when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. I read two extra verses, but that's okay. So I know we love maps, and again, I was blessed by being in the same city as the person in front of me. So I have the same map that Dale had circled Philippi, so we all know where we are. Again, we are in the second mission journey of Paul. He's back to Philippi to preach the gospel again. As I was preparing to go through this talk, I was looking at our memory verse, looking at these verses and the big ideas that we keep going over and over and over again each week that Dale just led us through. And this one, I was thinking through, be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. And I was, I was reading the story that is going to be taught today. I was thinking, what does it mean to imitate Paul? I've never been to jail. Hopefully, I, I never go to jail. Some of you know my father; he's a pretty good lawyer, so I think he could keep me from there if it if it came down to it. But I've never been to jail, and I don't really have a strong desire to go to jail. Um, I've never been stoned. I've never been run out of a city. I've never experienced these things. So what does it really mean to imitate Paul? And that's kind of where I want to start. So as we imitate Paul, there are a few things that I was thinking of when I thought of Paul's life. He was a missionary to the Gentiles. He was physically harmed and thrown in jail. And then he was martyred. And again, as I thought through this, I thought, what does this mean for me? And what does it mean to imitate Paul? And so as I was looking through this, And trying to figure this out for myself, there were a couple lessons that I learned about myself, I guess, this past year that I think I can derive from Paul's life as ways that I can begin to imitate Paul. And so from, he was the first missionary to the Gentiles. I got the gospels for everyone. He was physically harmed and thrown in jail. The gospel requires sacrifice. And then he ends up by being martyred. We don't deserve good things, and I'm going to break down these kind of briefly and, and say why they just really resonated with me and how they really influenced my life and how I can try to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. This is uh, for the gospel is for everyone. It's a chart that we see uh, about Acts 16 that Dale put up on the screen for us last week, and. For my own life in this past year, I think maybe you guys have noticed that there's some racial tension in our country, a little bit of racial tension in our world. And I'm not here to make any political statements, but I will say this is the reality we live in. People are talking about race, it's very relevant. And so for myself, it's just an important reminder for me that the gospel is for everyone. We look in one little chapter and one little book of the entire Bible. And we see Jesus, we see Paul going out and preaching the gospel to so many different people. I mean, look at this chart three different people, three different ethnicities, spiritually in different places, and all in different economic um, categories. It's just a really good reminder for me of Matthew 28, which is that the gospel is to go to all different nations. Every single person, it's God's child who he has died for. The gospel is for everyone. Another thing that I was reminded of this past year is that the gospel requires sacrifice. And here we have two more of our key verses that we go through every single week. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the big idea for the entire study of Paul's missional journey, that Paul modeled a life surrendered to Jesus Christ For us to follow yet sometimes it can be so hard for us to remember that we might be asked to sacrifice for the gospel when the entire bible that we study and almost every character in the bible is asked to sacrifice for the gospel and last time i got up here and talked i talked about paul being stoned and returning to that same city and then leaving again and going back into all these cities he'd been run out of and as we look at this second missional trip of paul we have to be reminded that he's going into so many cities he's already been run out of. The gospel requires sacrifice. The last one is we don't deserve good things. And this one was a little bit of a more painful experience for me to learn, I think. And so I'll get a little bit, I'll talk a little bit about my life. Um, I think most people had a pretty hard year last year. It certainly was different. Um, I'm extroverted. It was hard to be shut in and all the regular things that I think people experience. But I also had a wedding canceled. Um, We had a 10-person wedding, which was great. We had a honeymoon canceled, ended up going to a different city. But the whole city was in shambles when we went because they had rioted the day before we got there. Um, My my wife was hospitalized. My father-in-law who was here was pretty sick. I lost a grandfather. It was just a tough year. And throughout this, specifically the past summer, I found myself really struggling in my faith because of this. Um, you know, I've been following the Lord for a good chunk of my life. I, I have faith in him and I trust him. But it was really hard for me to just see things in my life not go the way that I thought they should go. And my small group at the time was studying the book of Mark, which we studied as a men's breakfast last year. And we got to this passage that I'll read for us right now. Um, Mark 15, and it says this, And the chief priests accused him, Jesus Christ, of many things. And Pilate asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. And so what I think was so hard about this past year is I was forced to confront maybe this ugly part of my heart that I didn't know was there or want to admit. And that was, for some reason, maybe it's just because I love the Lord or maybe it's because I'm in ministry, I felt like I did deserve good things. Like, oh God, I've given you so much. How could you not bless me? And I was forced to confront that. And that's an ugly thing in my heart because there's only ever been one man who deserved good things. And as we see in his own trial, when those things were being taken from him, he remained silent. And this is something that we'll see again in today's passage as Paul and Silas don't think to mention that they're Roman citizens until after they've been released from jail when they couldn't have been thrown in jail to begin with. Um, and so that was another experience that I've learned that I kind of see in, in Paul's life. And it doesn't mean that we don't have good things. It doesn't mean that God doesn't give us good things, just that we don't deserve good things. Only one man ever deserved good things. And when they were taken from him, he remained silent because it was the Lord's, the Father's will. And so as I was thinking through what does it mean to imitate Paul, I had to really dig into his life and apply it to my own because his life is so different than my own. So that's kind of where I wanted to start is reviewing these, these key verses that we keep speaking every single week and really digging into Paul's life. And, and from my perspective, at least, sharing where I've seen areas that I can imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Another thing that, um, oh, the big idea again. So now we're gonna really get into this idea of mission and what it means to live on mission for God. So uh, Dale put this up last week for us. It says, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. And I wanna take it a step further that the church is made up of people. And so as the church was made for God's mission, so also he has people for his mission. And this says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Amen. And what a powerful, powerful words to reflect on as we get into studying Paul, doing all the good he can in prison, to all the people he can, whether that be Lydia or the slave girl um, with, an, with a spirit, an unclean spirit in her, or the jailer as well, and so that gets to this big idea that God has a church for His mission. God has people for His mission, and as we study what that mission is and look at how Paul is applying that, we can also do the same and apply that mission to our own lives. So, what is God's mission? I think a good verse to start at for God's mission is 1 John verses 1 through 4. So I'd love to read that as we get started. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we, pro- we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And so, from that, I think a very simplified phrasing of what God's mission is, is this. That the God of creation and eternity, his mission is to be in fellowship with his children forever. And we're going to dive into this mission and look at how it applies to the story of Acts 16. The first thing that God's mission should influence in our lives, which is from our big idea that God's mission influences the way we live, is our opinion on sin. So we see sin in this text. We see Um, Paul confronting a girl who has a demonic spirit in her, that she is telling people's future, telling people's fortunes. And the first thing I thought when I was reading that is how reminiscent it is of Jesus Christ approaching demons as well, and that they fall to their feet and, and cry out, oh, son of the Lord most high, have mercy on me. And in the same way, that's in Luke 4 and Luke 8, and in the same way, this girl with a demonic spirit recognizes the power of Jesus Christ that Paul and Silas are walking in. And that's just so humbling and such a great reminder that Jesus Christ triumphed over death and sin and that even demons quake in their shoes or shake in their shoes at, at his power. And what a great reminder for us. And so how, why does God's mission influence our opinion of sin? Because sin is what separates us from that fellowship with God, with the Father. And so if we see that God's mission is to be in fellowship with his children forever, sin is what gets in the way of that. We see Paul have a visceral reaction to the girl following him around. They're following him. She's following him and Silas and proclaiming who they are and that they come in the name of Jesus Christ. And I love that the words that it says in Acts 16, that he was greatly annoyed. Greatly annoyed. Another word that it says, another version of that Greek says, greatly disturbed by it. And so as I was looking at what was happening in this story and trying to really envision it, it feels like there are probably a lot of different things around in Philippi that might have required Paul and Silas's attention. A lot of maybe even bigger sins or sins that might have been more upfront than a girl just walking around um, and and yelling after Paul and Silas that they were here on, on God's mission. But what I love about Paul is that there's no small sin to him. And this is what we see in the gospel, that the wages of all sin are death. And so what does it mean for us to be deeply disturbed or greatly annoyed by sin? I think that if we're honest with ourselves, there are some sins that greatly annoy us. There are some sins that deeply disturb us. But I think what we often do is we look at what we struggle with and what others struggle with, what we can relate to and what we can't relate to, and we create a hierarchy of sins. And there are some sins that greatly annoy us and deeply disturb us Well, there are other sins that might be not as bad, but that's not the gospel. And that's not how Paul and Silas treated this mission. There was one girl who was just screaming out with an unclean spirit. And Paul was so worried, so focused on God's mission that he saw that sin, that little evil, that little thing following him around and nagging and nagging and nagging as something worthy of being greatly annoyed by. He has a visceral reaction to the sin that is following him around. And so I think that as we look at sin in our lives or in the church or in those around us, that we need to make sure that we remain greatly annoyed and deeply disturbed by all sin, that we stop this hierarchy of some sins being worse than others, because all sin is getting in the way of God's mission, which is to be in fellowship with his children forever. I think a deep disturbance of sin in our lives will lead to a radical understanding and appreciation of grace. That if every little sin deeply disturbs us and greatly annoys us, we will truly be able to appreciate the gift that we have of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The next thing that I think God's mission influences is our opinion on profit. And so I think it's clear to see in this text that there are different or conflicting views of profit. The first time that, we, that I was really seeing profit in this text was the owners of the slave girl who were making money off of her. She could tell people would come to them, she could tell them their future, and they'd collect some coin. And they get really upset when that's taken away from them. And so that is what I see as the worldly profit here. But the kingdom profit is what we see in Paul. That as he goes to prison... He sees that as an opportunity to profit the mission of God. And, And the same thing that we see in Jesus Christ is the same thing we see in Paul, is that at their trial, they remain silent. And so at the end of this story, Paul and Silas are released, and they go in front of the magistrates, and they basically say, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but we're Roman citizens. And the magistrates were terrified that they had done something that was illegal to do to a Roman citizen to To the Jewish people who weren't Roman citizens, it would have been fine. But to a Roman citizen, they couldn't do that. And so, what I saw in that is that Paul could have profited by mentioning that earlier. He wouldn't have gone to jail. But he remained silent because it was for the mission of God. In the same way, Jesus could have profited by just doing a miracle in front of Pilate. But he remained silent because it was profit for the kingdom. For him to go to the cross. And so I think that we see a a, a disconnect between kingdom profit and worldly profit. And a lot of times, what we need to recognize is that if we are trying to live on mission for Jesus Christ and live according to God's mission, it may require us to give up worldly profit in order for kingdom profit. And then the last thing that I see God's mission influencing is the circumstance. And so once we view ourselves as being created for God's mission, it will change how we view the circumstances around us. And so this is something that I think we've all had to do at one point or another in hard times. And certainly Paul and Silas have to do it as they go to prison. And I think the easiest thing to see as their circumstance here is that they went to prison. But what really struck me was Yes, they went to prison, and they, were, they had to see that as, as an opportunity to do God's mission and do God's work. But the circumstance that was more interesting to me was actually the earthquake. They had this twist of circumstances that they were free. But instead, they continued to view that as an opportunity to do God's work, an opportunity to love the jailer and to minister to him and to continue singing hymns and singing the praise of Jesus Christ. And so I think that when we see ourselves as being created for God's mission, we also see a change of the circumstances around us. And so these lead us to some questions that we can discuss. I went kind of short, but that's all right. You guys have plenty of time to discuss with one another. And so our questions that we have for today, based on the big idea, which is being made for God's mission, influences the way we live. The discussions, questions will be, Which aspects of Paul's life is the hardest for you to imitate? How do we fit into God's mission? And what areas of life, whether that be sin, profit, or circumstance, is the hardest for you to align to God's mission? And how can we work on that this week? And so I hope that we've been able to look at Paul's life, and maybe you've been able to look at Paul's life as well, and grab some stuff out of that and say, how can I really imitate that in a world that looks very different? In a life that looks very different. How can I imitate Paul as he imitates Christ? And then as we look at what it means to be created for God's mission, I hope that that does change the way and give us a radical perspective on sin and, and by extension on grace, and then on what it means to profit as we are here on this earth and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, We're just so grateful that you have a mission. We're grateful that you've created us, that you've put us on this earth, that you have a purpose for us, God. We're humbled that we get to be a part of your mission. We acknowledge that you are all powerful and all-knowing and that you can do all things that you desire, Lord, but we're humbled when we get to be a part of it. So Father, I pray that as we continue to study Paul over the rest of this semester, that we continue to be able to imitate him and so be molded into more godly men. Father, I pray that as we look at what it means to live and have have the opportunity to live on mission for you, God, that it does change the way we think, that it gives us a radical approach to sin, that we not just think theoretically of sin, but have a visceral reaction, that it deeply disturb us, that it greatly annoy us, that we can avoid it better that way, Lord. Father, I pray that as we look at what it means to advance our careers or elevate our status in life, Lord, that we continue to remember what does it mean to advance your kingdom, to elevate the status of your kingdom in everything we do in life. And Father, I pray that as we go through circumstances that even some here today may be in hard circumstances, God, that we can continue to view them as an opportunity to live on mission for you. Father, we love you and we're humbled just to be in your presence to do your work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Friday Men's Breakfast podcast. hope you will join us again next week as we continue learning lessons from the life of the Apostle Paul. For more information on the Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash mensbreakfast. Have a great week.